Hello again, friends, and welcome back to another episode of Real Talks. I'm your host, David Steele, and I'd like to welcome back my co-host, Ian Cargard. This is the ninth episode in a long line of them that will span over the course of several months as we analyze, critique, and dissect each and every Marvel film in chronological order. Last week, we did Captain America Winter Soldier, and this week, we're going to be talking about Anne's favorite movie, Guardians of the Galaxy. Just a friendly reminder, if you like what you're hearing, you can follow us wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Just search Real Talks. That's R-E-E-L Talks. Just like my name, S-T-E-E-L-E. Also, you can follow us on social media. I'm on Twitter at WannabeRounder, LinkedIn, and on Instagram at DCaduto. Where can they find you, Ann? They can find me at Instagram at frogs underscore Z. So that's F-R-O-O-G-Z underscore Z. Just a couple of quick announcements. Our Revamp Patreon channel is now live. You can find it by typing Real Talks into the search bar. Let me tell you a little about it. We're offering four different affordable levels you can support us at. $3, $8, $15, and our highest is only $20 a month. If you do choose to support us, you'll have the opportunity to get some great perks, such as your name shouted out before every podcast, cool merch, and if you're one of our major contributors, you'll get a one-hour monthly Zoom meeting with Elena and myself. For more details, just go to the website. I'll leave the link in the description. So without any further ado, let's dive into the movie. So, Guardians of the Galaxy. Now, I will agree with you on one thing. This probably has the best soundtrack of any Marvel movie out there by far. I'm a big music person. I I just live, listen to music all day long. So, like, you know, during work sometimes if I'm just, you know, working on emails, I'll just turn on the uh, soundtrack for this movie and just listen to it. Yeah, this is. And so it was. So this was 2014, I believe. So, 2000, yeah, 2014. So it was just, once again, made by Marvel. But this time, Disney, this is when Disney had bought Marvel. And so they actually came under one one roof. So all these movies from here on out are going to be distributed, not by Paramount Pictures, but Walt Disney. And that actually has something else that's important because that means all of the effects, the visual effects in all these movies from here on out are going to be done by ILM or Industrial Light Magic, which is under the Lucas. I was going to say that's Star which Wars. Is a, yeah. Yep. And that's the Lucasfilm brand and disney actually owns all of those movies in the library hence this is why all those movies are on disney plus so the budget and i say only when i say this it was only 170 million dollars but from here on out they're going to get larger and larger it made 94 it made it good almost made half its money back in uh opening weekend 94.3 million opening weekend and grossing a little over 330 million dollars here in the states and $770 million worldwide. So it was about a 50-50 split. So it did really, really well overseas as well as here. It was written by Brittany and directed by James Gunn, who I think up to this point, his most popular movie was called Slither. I mean, he really wasn't on the map. And so... Was that a horror movie, Slither? It was. So, But this was really his breakout. Kevin Feige has a, has a knack of finding these directors that have done little films and making them into huge, huge stars. I mean, all you got to do is take a look at the uh, Russos, the Russo brothers. I mean, they had really done a couple of hit-and-miss projects, and then they come out and make $3 billion movies. (laughs) Chloe Zhao, you know, she wins Best Director, and 
So, I mean, while Eternals wasn't the best movie in the world, and we will cover that, you know, down the road, nobody had ever heard of Chloe Zhao. And now she's on the map, and she's got an Oscar sitting on her mantle. Speaking of the Oscars, though, it was actually nominated for two Oscars, believe it or not. I didn't. I didn't think Marvel movies had any. Yeah, no, no, they did. It was. It wasn't. It didn't win. It was nominated. It was nominated for best hair and makeup, and it was nominated for best visual effects. Which, I mean, the majority of it takes place in space. So there you go. That's why. So this movie begins. Can I just talk about the hair and makeup? Yeah. I love Drax's out like that complex like pattern on him. I've just oh yeah that that alone I think deserves an academy award absolutely i mean the way that is one of the hair and makeup and costumes and music i think technical things are three of the most underrated components of a movie because everybody focuses what's in front of them but they don't focus on the music they don't focus on the costumes they don't focus on let's say it's a period piece or a bio piece and they have to make them look like the player the person, I mean, all you do is take a look at something like Saving Mr. Banks, right? You know, Tom Hanks, tr- they're trying to make Tom Hanks look like Walt Disney. Or, you know, Fred Rogers, he's trying to be, you know. So, I mean, what they did, though, it, it was su- very, very impressive. I don't think you could do that with CGI, yeah. No, no way. So, I mean, even so, the story goes that when one of your crushes, Paul Bettany, was playing Vision, and we'll get to him in the next movie, Age of Ultron, that he was in a suit that had it was like oh, kind of like a latex suit that he would get put piece by piece would be applied and it actually had a small cooling system in there because he was staying in it all day that he would overheat and so it actually had a little cooling system and you know it, in between takes and when they were setting it up he'd actually get it refilled so it would actually keep him cool so they because, of course, when you're in the makeup for that long, you're going to sweat it off. So, yeah, no, hair and makeup is extremely, extremely important to any good movie. So this starts off in, and I'll say one more thing. I think this had the right mixture of hair and makeup, which you were talking about, and then you have a voiceover, and, you know, then you have the acting. So it had all three dynamics. So let's run through the cast real quick. We got Chris Pratt, who's playing Star-Lord, wasn't he on uh, Parks and Recreation? He was in Parks and Recs. And, like, you know, he just was, like, some guy they found at a restaurant, I feel like. Okay. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> like he was just, like, a waiter somewhere or something. Nice. So then the stories. So then we have Bradley Cooper, who up – but this is before his – I mean, he had done things like Sex in the City, and he had done the A-Team, and he had done a couple other smaller roles. And this is before the – all of the accolades for like Americans, the nomination for like American Sniper and American Hustle and Joy and A Star is Born. So he was still in the, you know, he was growing as a star. So they had him do the voice of arguably one of the best characters, even if he's only two feet in Racket <laughs> Raccoon. Dave Bautista, who actually, he was a former WWE wrestler. And so he decided he was going to leave and try his chops at acting. And, of course, you know, it was a bunch of action flicks, but he started to slowly get better. Now, he's not the best actor in the world. He won't win any awards, but he fits the part of Drax to a T. 
you know, if you do WWE, I don't know how much money they make, but if you're in a Marvel movie, you're set for life. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. And especially if you get, especially if you get sequels and they write, well, because as you know, I mean, they set these things up and I found some interesting things I'll talk about in, in Age of Ultron, but they have some, I mean, they set these things up, you know, 10 years in advance. And so all they got to do is just lock you in for a couple of movies. And so we get Josh Brolin in a few sequences as Thanos. And so, yeah, we had some, it was an interesting cast. So it starts out 1988, uh, young Peter Quill is sitting in the waiting room of a hospital. And this is just tells you, you know, talk about period pieces for a little. So he's listening to his headphones. Awesome mixtape number one. I love it. And by the way, that's a perfect, you know, thing. They, they won't put any name on there because copyright issues or, you know, I mean, we're assuming he gets all the, but still awesome mix. I mean, it's just great. So his grandfather comes out and so he can say goodbye to his mom who is about to pass from a brain tumor. And his mom gives him a present and tells him that his father was an angel. And Peter is just about to talk to him. She asks for his hand, and then she just dies. So it's pretty traumatizing. The distraught Peter runs outside, and he gets abducted by a spaceship. So immediately we're going, you know, Earth right into space. So now we fast forward almost 25 years later, and we, uh, we're on this planet, Morak. And so now we see Peter Quill, a.k.a. Star-Lord, a.k.a. Chris Pratt. He's searching for this orb, listening to this tape. And I love the music they start out with. And I forgot what the name of the song was off the top of my head, but it was perfect for that. I mean, it was just timed perfectly. And I mean, you know, like just the sequence of him dancing around and then like the text that they put in there, it's just like right on. It's and like Marvel, I feel like does like good timing with like the text and they're really good about using the text where it needs to be. So I think that was just, you know, right on the good drop beat. It was a really good placement. He finds the orb and takes it out of the laser enclosure. And so... Almost immediately, he's ambushed by Koreth the Pursuer. I'm surprised you remember that. <laughs> and so <laughs> I, my memory is an encyclopedia sometimes. So after a shootout, Peter makes it to his ship in, on the Milano and escapes. So his father figure, Yano, played by Michael Rooker, heads the Ravenswood platoon. And this is where once he gets into space, this is who he, you know, bonding with and everything else. And tells Peter to give him the orb. Peter decides he's going to make it. So he, Peter is like a, I would kind of put him like, almost like a Han Solo character. A renegade, and yet. Kind of an incompetent renegade. Yeah. So he's going to sell it. And then uh, he gets reprimanded after being soft. And he brushes it off. And then he wants to find who's interested in the orb. Because, you know, he wants to cut him down at the time. So he returns to the Dark Aster, a Kree warship, and Ronin. This is the big, I'd call him the big bad of the movie, not the big bad of the, uh, the phase, who wants to destroy Xandar after his, his people were killed. And so he doesn't get the orb. And so because of this, he wants to have, he's going to make a trade with Thanos, essentially. And this is going to be, we think at this time that, Thanos is going to get his first Infinity Stone. So do you feel like this villain is kind of like the Dark Elves and Thor? You know, it's just kind of a forgettable villain. Yeah, 
I mean, I think I think that it's proxy. I think he's a proxy type of or you know enemy. He's not the big bad. We already know who the big bad is of the phase, and we don't know when we're going to see him again. But yeah, uh, he's he's a forgettable one. I mean, he's not the best in the world, but he's not the worst in the world. I, I I'd almost put him dark elves or maybe the Mandarin. I mean, you know, something like that. So Ronan decides to send Thanos' daughter Nebula after Peter. And, but her sister, Gamora, volunteers. And this is where we see those two for the first time. And so Ronan then sends Gamora. And then we're now on the planet. And he goes to the planet and he takes it to a broker. And so he's like, well, no, if this is if Ronan's after me, I don't want to touch this because his goons are going to be after me. And they want to kill everybody on this planet. So the broker backs out, not wanting anything to do with him. And then Gamora's standing right outside. And of course, you know, he gets tricked or he thought he's got, he was going to get tricked and she punches him and then takes off with the rolls out of his hand and she takes off. Now Peter has to go chase her. So as they fight, in comes our, you know, dynamic duo, if you will, Racket Raccoon and, and Groot. You forgot to introduce who was the voice of Groot. Ah, I did. Yes, you're correct. So Vin Diesel, the one person you would think would never do VO, voiceover. And he's one of the biggest stars in Hollywood. I mean, it's only one franchise, but he's making money hand over fist. But I am Groot. And that's all he says for the whole two hours. And you know, that's probably harder to say because of the inflection of the voice. Because we can, like, we're talking right now, and this could be lines in a script and, and everything else. But to be able to have three words and put them in such a motion and everything and doing it take after take after take after take it's interesting so yes you're right so bradley cooper is playing played by rocket raccoon and groot is played by vin diesel and they want peter so of course stan this is where stan lee comes in he makes a cameo as an old man chatting with a lady on uh, a young lady on uh, xandar so rocket calls him a pervert <laughs> It's not too long before they're all arrested by the Nova Corps and then processed. And then they all go to a place called the Kiln, which it's a prison. And so this is that famous scene in the trailer where, you know, they're all standing side by side. And I love what, I mean, they have to edit it out. Obviously, it's PG-13. And he just rolls up his middle finger and rolls it back. So, Yeah. Pretty much everybody wants to kill Gamora in this prison because she knows. They all know that she's the th uh, daughter of Thanos. So Drax has a vendetta against her. And, you know, they are going to tear each other apart. And uh, But Drax also wants to kill Ronan because he killed his wife and daughter. So he wants to – you have the domino effect. One wants to kill the other, wants to kill the other. So Gamora – then explains that she's not related to Ronan and she was planning on double-crossing him. So Peter gets in her good graces. Meanwhile, and this is one of only three or four times we see him before Infinity War. So Ronan is then contacted and is summoned by Thanos. And so first, it, you know, via the monitor, Thanos demands your presence now. So the next shot you see is him standing there and he reports to him and basically says Gamora's a traitor. And 
you know, I lower your tone, this, this, and this. And then he kills the the proxy standing right next to him. And you just see a shot at Nebula like, oh, my God, he really did that. And, of course, Thanos is completely indifferent to anybody. What bores me is your politics, boy. <laughs> I'm surprised he even, like, decided to meet with him. Like, I just didn't think, like, this guy would be big enough to meet the big baddie, you know? Your politics bore me, boy. If you come back again empty-handed, I'll bathe the, the starways in your blood. So he's obviously upset with him, to say the least. So then, as Nebula's walking away, you won't win this one. Thanks, Dad. Meanwhile, back to Kiln. Gamora has a plan to sell the sword. And so they all agree to split the reward at this point. And, of course, you know, as, as they're walking in, Rocket's like, oh, yeah, I've escaped from, like, seven prisons before. This is no different. So he needs one of the wrist guards devices in a prostate. So th- this is the funny one of the funny parts is where Rocket says, oh, I need this guy's leg. You know, oh, I need, I need, you know, one of these things. <laughs> and so later on, he's like, no, you don't, you know. So he needs a pro- the, one of the prosthetic legs and a battery to actually start the plan. And so meanwhile, unbeknownst to anybody, and Groots just decides he's going to go do something on his own, which kind of reminds me, actually, of the shot in Guardians 2 when we see, like, a baby Groot with a bob. <laughs> and, and Rocket's like, okay, tell me which button you're going to push. This one, I no, 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 no. <laughs> okay, explain it to me. I am Groot. I am Groot. I am, I am Groot. No. <laughs> so then, does anybody have any tape so I can put it over the death button? No. If anybody had any tape, it'd be you. So then he picks it up and he runs away with it. So yeah, that that just shows you. That is a movie I want to see. Is how Rocket met Groot. I yes. need to see that movie. Yes, yes, and they don't really. Even they don't really explain it. I mean, we get we as we start Guardians, like we see them together, but we don't see how they started together. Yeah, that would be an interesting movie. So Groot grabs it first. The, all the alarms start going off, and Gamora gets a wrist device, and then Peter negotiates for the guy's leg. So dr- everybody now starts getting in the mix. Drax decides to join in, and so they all escape. And then eventually, Ronan goes in and gets the information from this guy and he kills himself which is kind of sh- that just shows you the depravity that he has because he's doing everything he can so once they meet agree to meet and they get somewhere rocket's surprised that he got the leg and he was only kidding about it you know oh i was just kidding i i didn't really need his leg <laughs> so before they uh before they run out of time rocket rigs it up so they get out and the gravity is done they escape and then before they escape, though, Peter has to get his Walkman. So he goes back in and he gets one of the guards is listening to his his Walkman. So he has to go in. This song from 1973 belongs to me. <laughs> so, yeah. I like the makeup on that. Blue suede. Blue suede. Blue suede. is. And the, the actor was blue. He had like yeah. that blue makeup. Yeah, 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 and yeah, I yeah. remember the eye makeup, like the eyes were really good. I remember that. Yeah. He goes to the broker, and he has the orb. Now, threatening... So now Yandu's got his little... I don't know if... They, did they ever tell you what it's called? Or was it just, so I, it's just called an arrow, and he whistles. Yeah, I don't know if they... I don't think they've ever called it anything. I don't anything. think they've ever called it anything, yeah. So yeah, he basically puts it right in front of the guy's face, trying to get the information. So anyways, Peter's on the ship. 
they don't like each other at all at this point. And we're probably about 30, 35 minutes in. And so they go to this, I love how this, they go to a place called Nowhere. Like, Nowhere. And it's not spelled like normal nowhere. It's like, no, like knowledge nowhere. K-N-O-W-H-E-R-E. A space station built in the severed head of a selenial, which is interesting because... So that's like Peter's dad, right? Yeah. Yeah. So they go meet with the collector. And this is that character played by Benicio Del Toro. And he has one of everything in the galaxy. Like the rarest of the rare of the rare. He has one of. And there's a funny scene at the end credits, which we'll get to later. But yeah. So he goes over. And so he explains that. Peter explains that they used to bond over the music and she used to make the mixtapes. And so she listens and likes it and all that. But he reminds her of an old fable of other people who didn't dance called Footloose. I I love the (laughs) 1980s pop references. And of course, this even goes back to Infinity War when they're on Titan and Tom Holland's character Spider-Man is like, you know, you know Footloose? Footloose is a thing back in there, you know? So it's just one of those things where Footloose always seems to make a reference, you know, a a callback somehow. So he makes a pass at Gamora, but of course she's not going to fall for it. So they go to meet with the Collector. And then at this point, Rocket and Groot and Drax are all, they're all drunk. And they actually want to, you know, kill each other. And so he's being, Groot, Rocket's being tired of people calling him names, which, you know. So he was an experiment. He's had a rough life. He's had a rough life. Yeah, he was. And so the collector's assistant fetches him, and they go to make the call to to Ronan. So he has, this is so, now we're back to the collector here. So he has a giant assortment of collectibles from all over the galaxy, including Howard the Duck, great great 1985 reference. Isn't Howard the Duck actually a comic, or is it just a movie? It was a short-lived comic, but it was a movie back in 1985 with Leah Thompson. <laughs> so he's got Cosmo the dog, which actually plays a role in the second Guardians, if you remember. And then, yeah, so he had, he puts the orb in kind of a, a, a certain spot, unscrews the two halves of the orb, and we got our first glimpse of the Infinity Stone. I forgot which one it was. It's the Space Stone. That's right. It was the Space Stone. So, and then... Yes. And then from there, he we get a very quick synopsis. And when I mean quick, like less than five minutes synopsis of all of the different Infinity Stones and how they were scattered around throughout the galaxy and how powerful they are and everything else and how they were created during the Big Bang. And so the collector's assistant suddenly grabs the stone trying to kill him because she's in dire need of getting out of there. And poisons her and then everything in the area blows up everything most of the people survive a lot along with cosmo peter and the others but they manage to get the stone and they put it in a safe space so they go to the nova headquarters at this point because they figure okay there's no place safer than the nova so this is when they get ambushed and then yano's ravage of platoon shows up tracks down them and um then drax decides he wants to fight ronan take him on by himself but he gets beaten up too badly so we it moves on and so they're 
as the movie moves on, Nebula gets chased down by a ship, and so she gets the Infinity Stone, and this is where Gamora looks like she's going to die, and she gets brought back in to the uh, the ship. I thought this was really good CGI, like kind of the bubbling that they had, like that the detail on that. I think they did a lot of research into what happens when you're in space, apparently. Yeah, it's, it's just cold, and it's... It's just, yeah. So Ganon collects, arrives, and he basically gets everybody back in. At this point, Ronan goes back to Thanos and says that he has the Infinity Stone, and he's going to cut Thanos out. So he's, he's basically betraying him. And this is where he slaps the Infinity Stone into his staff, and he thinks he's going to be all-powerful and destroy Xandar himself. Isn't it a Warhammer? It is a Warhammer, yeah, it was a Warhammer. You're right, because with staff wouldn't make sense, would it? So it was a Warhammer. You're right. So back on Yandu's ship, Yandu's going to kill Peter for double-crossing him for not doing that. And so she eventually saves him. And then knowing the plan, he's going to... They all have to essentially go back and prevent Ronan from destroying Xandar. And so the last, I would say, 15 to 20 minutes is almost that there is there are some pretty funny scenes though like he says he has the others ask peter really has a plan or he's lying he says he has part of a plan and so after discussion he's like oh yeah i have 12 percent of a plan he's like well that's more than 11 percent you know just picking random numbers you know <laughs> so but yeah so this is when the, the bonding happens and it's like i'm willing to die for this cause and they all stand up and it's like yep we're all standing up now looking like idiots so yeah, but yeah. So then he contacts Nova, the Nova Corps, and basically says, look, you're going to get attacked. We need to, we're going to help you out. So that's when they try to make a shield and all the fighters, and he actually gets, blows a hole in the ship, Ronan's ship. They think they get him and destroy him. That's not the case. He eventually puts his ship into Xandar, breaking everything. The shield and crashing it. And then, of course, this is what the movie's all about, like the last 15 minutes. So once it crashes, then, of course, we have the dance-off. The dance-off, which is the... <laughs> yes, so, and then, so Quill just stands up and he raises, he stands up and he starts to dance to Ooh Child. And he challenges Ronan Ron to a dance-off. Of course, Ronan doesn't you know what the hell is going on. He's like, what? <laughs> I just love how he keeps doing all these references and confusing all these aliens, and they're just like, uh... Yeah, exactly. So before Peter can grab anything can happen, Peter grabs a stone, and he thinks, everybody thinks, oh my god, he's going to die. And then when we go into this, talk about CGI work, having to go into, it was just a purple haze, and seeing his mother, and seeing everything, and then the visuals were amazing on this. And so, says, you know, take my hand, so they all take everybody's hand and it vaporizes everybody and so yeah so then yandu says okay i want the i want the orb because that was the deal i'll help you stop xandar from being destroyed but i want the orb so after that quill basically does a, a switch and so as they're flying away peter says to Gamora, he's gonna be so pissed <laughs> so he then looks down at the orb and he's thinking oh what is this so he opens it up. It's a, one of those little toys. The trolls. Yeah, the trolls. He still, but he still has the orb. So yeah, it was a troll doll. So and then he opens the gift that his mother gave him. 
all those years ago. And it was the cassette labeled Awesome Mixtape Number 2. So this is as so as the story goes, you know, they all become a team and they become Guardians of the Galaxy. And they ask, Gamora says, you know, you lead where we're going to go, Star-Lord. And so, yeah. And so we end on that. And then, so the, the final credit scene is we have two we have two credit scenes here. One of them. So that I should say this. Groot decides that in, this was a touching, touching moment when Groot basically shelters everybody. He knows he's going to die, and Rocket is heartbroken. And so, you know, you see him sitting there crying, and then Drax comes over to comfort him. You know, so at that point, uh, at the end of the credits, we see Baby Groot, who's you know slightly bigger than before. He starts dancing to his 1980s music in the background. So, uh, yeah, and then Drax looks, he stops when Drax looks at him and he's, you know, he starts again. And then, of course, yeah. So when this movie came out, did you look for Baby Groot? Because I did. I had a hard time finding, like, that's the thing, like, you know, with Baby Yoda or these Groot things, like, they never have the toy ready and I want it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. The supply and demand there is huge at that point. Huge. And then, of course, the final like after the credits, this is where we see Cosmos, the, the the collector, because of what happened. The collector is sitting in the wreckage drinking when Cosmos' space dog walks up and licks his face. And we hear a voice that says, that's gross. And the camera turns and is, reveals that it's Howard the Duck. <laughs> this movie was just fantastic. It's one of those, it, it's not a top five movie, but it's damn sure close. And it's like number six or number seven for me. It's a good movie. It is a great, great movie. It, you know, and it just had everything you everything you wanted, right? It had the team element to it. It had the the the. This is probably the best soundtrack of the twenty seven or twenty eight movies they've done, hands down. I love. They it. have a ride at Disney for it now. Like it's like a roller coaster, like synced up to music. Oh, really? You were telling me about this. Yeah, I've heard about it. Like, I haven't been on it, but I've heard people talk about it. And they said it's great because it's like going on a roller coaster and it's like perfectly synced up to music. Nice. I can't even imagine how long. So some of the songs on there, I'm Not In Love, Come Get Your Love. And that was what he was dancing to in the very beginning of the movie when he was walking through to try and get the orb. Hooked in a feeling. I mean, it's just some of these, you have the Pina Colada song. I mean, fell around and fooled around and fell in love. Cherry Bomb. I mean, Ooh Child. Ain't No Mountain High Enough. I mean, this, this is easily the best soundtrack of the 27, 28 movies, hands down. Even better than Guardians 2. But I think the bar was set pretty high for that. But yeah, this is this is like a top six, top seven movie for me. It's definitely in the hot upper third as far as I'm concerned. It's a top movie for me. Yeah. I mean. it's The comedy is hilarious. And to be able to write that is so, people don't understand, it is so difficult to write comedy. Good comedy. You know, that's like the scene where they're talking, Gamora and Star-Lord are talking, and then Drax is standing there. And then it's like, how long have you been standing there? An hour. An (laughs) hour? I was trying to make myself, you know, invisible. Well, it didn't work. Damn! (laughs) You know, just little things like that. But just putting it so, the randomness of it. And that's what worked. So, yeah, this movie was just in. I said this before. Once you get a good movie like this, it's so difficult to actually do a sequel that's up to par. But, yeah, so this movie was and it came out right around the perfect time, too. So, 
yeah, this was a uh, a top notch movie. So, and, and you can see why it made so much money. Are you excited for the Christmas special they've got come out next year? Christmas special? I haven't heard it. Yes, they have a Guardians of the Galaxy. Let me. This is this is. I'm not kidding you. They have a Christmas special coming out. I believe. I want to say it's. Is it on Disney Plus? No, no, I, I don't know. I want to say that it's coming out next year. It's actually coming out this year, believe it or not. The Guardians of the Galaxy Holiday Special. And this is where the Guardians of the Galaxy is a holiday special. is an upcoming American television special created. And it's all done by James Gunn. I mean, so he, he's actually... So they're going to have Mantis in it. They're going to have Peter Quill in it. They're going to have Sean Gunn, which I believe, if I'm not mistaken, I could be wrong, that is James' brother. Of course, Nebula, Rocket... Yeah, they're bringing everybody back for a Christmas special. I don't know. So when is this supposed to air? Yeah, no, it's got to be on Disney+. Plus. Okay. April, so uh, April, da, 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 da. Yeah, so they filmed it while they were actually doing Guardians 3. It's Okay, so it's supposed to be, okay, so the Guardians, holidays, Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special is supposed to be scheduled to be released December of this year and on Disney+, Plus as part of Phase 4. So... That's I'm, kind of, I'm shocked you didn't know that. Yeah. I I guess I just didn't keep apprised of the situation, but Yeah. <laughs> that's going to be fun. That's going to be amazing. Well, you do know that so there was not speculation. It, it's confirmed now that Vin Diesel is not coming back for Guardians 3. Really? Really. It is it is confirmed. So it will be interesting to see how they, you know, how they write him out of that. But that's going to be it's not going to be that hard to do I Am Groot with somebody else, though. No, that's true. That's true. But, yeah, I think I think that, I mean, I think people really, you're right, though. I mean, they're going to get anybody to do the voiceover. So I, I think this holiday special was the last thing that they're going to do, or he's going to do. So that covers Guardians. I'm probably going to give this a good three three film reels just because it's, I mean unbelievably good and i think the fact that james gunn wrote it and directed it it's so hard to do i'm doing all the reels as many as i can yeah this is this is good stuff so coming up next week we do have the end or nearly the end of phase two with uh the sequel to the avengers this is going to be the avengers age of ultron yeah so that's going to be fun we're going to have the whole cast of the Avengers coming back. We're going to get some new Avengers, which will be interesting. And so coming up this week on the podcast, we do have Steven Spielberg movies in anticipation for probably the second biggest blockbuster of the year behind Doctor Strange, and that is Jurassic World Dominion. So this is probably going to make $200 million, if that's any indication of how the theaters are doing right now. So we're going to have that. Then the week after that, we do, we're do going to be doing a preview of Lightyear. We're going to be talking all about Toy Story and Pixar films and things like Up and movies like that. How much am I going to cry? Yeah, that that's that's actually up there as far as, no pun intended, that's actually up there for one of the films that people just ball their eyes out at. So, yeah. So we're going to be doing Pixar movies. And then after that, the next week after that, we're going to be doing bio movies, biopic movies. And there have been a lot of them out there, whether it's Joy or Steve Jobs or 
you know, you name it, it's out there. That's going to be for the big one, Elvis. So that's going to be the third week. And then the beginning of July, we have Thor, Love and Thunder. That's right around the corner. That's only a month away. I can't wait for that as many as millions of other people can because that's going to be it's going to be interesting to see where they go. And I know you will be doing Thor Ragnarok soon, but yeah, it's like one of those things where I'm really curious to see where they're going to take this Jane Foster character. And yeah, so starting next week in the air about doing one other show if I have the time, but I will fill you guys in now. There's no this is still fluid, but I am considering doing what I'm going to call Mob Mondays where we discuss every single mobster movie. Not every single one, but the really good mobster movies, The Godfather, Casino, Goodfellas, the list goes on and on and on. Black Mass. And so that would be... So if I have the time to fit it in, we'll, we'll see about that. And yeah, so next week, we're just going to keep rolling with this. This is eighth or ninth movie we've done. So next week, don't forget, guys, Age of Ultron. So, all right, I'm David Steele. She is Ann Cargard, and we are Real Dogs.